You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. This is Dr. Phil Klein. Bioactive has become a buzzword in dentistry, but many dentists struggle to understand what it really means. Today we'll be discussing why you should care about bioactivity and the restorative materials that can be used in your office every day. Our guest is Dr. Faye Goldstep, a contributing author to four textbooks and has published more than 100 articles in a variety of dental publications. She is a fellow of the International Academy for Dental Facial Aesthetics and the American Society for Dental Aesthetics. Dr. Goldstep is a consultant to a number of dental companies and maintains a private practice in Toronto, Canada. Dr. Goldstep, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you, Phil. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really excited about our topic today. It's something that I'm quite passionate about. Yeah, and it's definitely a timely topic. We do hear a lot about it. So to begin, what is bioactivity? If you could define that for our audience, and why is there so much confusion, you know, a divergence of views and and various controversies regarding that subject? Well, the word bioactivity is, uh, I guess it's a latest buzzword in dentistry. It's, uh, it's highlighted as a feature in many restorative products with different and conflicting claims. And I think that has uh, stirred up confusion and controversy uh, surrounding the concept. I'm hoping with this talk to, to shed some light on the topic and maybe make it very relevant to the practicing restorative dentist. The term itself uh, started around 1969 with uh, someone called uh, uh, Larry Hench. He was a medical researcher looking for an improved graft material for bone reconstruction uh, when, when soldiers were coming back from the Vietnam War and he needed something to bond to bone. So all the available materials did not bond to bone and they were rejected by the body. He developed bioglass and that was a very early bioactive material and that was a completely synthetic material and that chemically bonds to bone. So he defined it early. What he said was that uh, a bioactive material is something that elicits a uh, specific biological response at the interface of a material, and that results in the formation of a bond between tissue and material. Now, the problem with that is today, most researchers give it a different twist. So uh, the research will determine the definition. So the definition will depend on the research and the researcher. So if the definition fits the research, it, that's not the way it should be. It should really fit the concept. So I think to achieve clarity, uh, it's best to go with the def- de- definition in the, um, uh, the dictionary. And that is something that's bioactive. It's something that has an effect on interaction with or response from living tissue. Yeah, that was well said and made a lot of sense. So what could we say about the mechanisms of action of bioactive materials? Is there some sort of common denominator that all bioactive materials have this similar mechanism? What actually happens? Well, there are similar mechanisms, but I I divide it up in a hierarchy of three different mechanisms. And remember, we're talking about materials that are not neutral. They are active. They're not passive participants in the restorative process. So for simplification, it's best to talk about Uh, the three mechanisms. The first one is the remineralization and strengthening of tooth. And that's the most important in direct restorative materials. Uh, Of course, we have the granddaddy, which is the glass ionomer materials, which were great, except they they don't last and they are not something that you can use long term. They're more for temporary situations, areas that are challenging um, uh, for location and isolation. What I like in, in terms of remineralizing and strengthening materials, I like to use gymers, and those are materials that are on the beautiful line from Shofu, 
And they have been clinically evaluated uh, for their uh, physical properties as well as their aesthetic properties. And in terms of uh, bioactivity, they have ions that help uh, release fluoride, sort of like a fluoride bank, where uh, when there is a fluoride application, either through a varnish or a toothbrushing or whatever, uh, the fluoride is taken into the restoration and it's given up when it's needed uh, to prevent secondary decay. So that makes it uh, a really superior product in that way. It actually creates a bioactive envelope that inhibits bacterial adhesion and plaque formation as well. And that again will decrease the risk of secondary decay. Now the second mechanism is something needed for cementation. And that is a material that will actually add appetite, uh, appetite on its surface when it's immersed in bodily fluids. And that would include the calcium aluminate products like Ceramere. And those are great for cementation. Uh, the marginal gap has actually been shown uh, to decrease over time. So that's really perfect for a cementation material. So those are the first two uh, of the hierarchy. And the third mechanism is something that's good for pulpal therapy. And that material has to help regenerate live tissue and promote vitality in the tooth. And these are the calcium silicate materials like MTA or biodentin from Septodont. So a biodentin is actually a therapeutic material that's been developed to protect the pulp and, and assist regenerating of, of the pulpal tissue without the physical limitations of MTAs. Now, what it does, it, it, it creates a hermetic seal that protects the pulp from bacterial infiltration. And that in, in that way, it creates an, an ideal environment for the body or the tooth to heal itself. And uh, the, we all know about calcium hydroxide, it's, been around for ages. Calcium hydroxide is a great material, but it doesn't have long-term stability. And with time, what happens is it turns into cottage cheese. Basically, that's the best thing that you can call it is basically cottage cheese. So what biodentin does, uh, that will, it produces a gel-like envelope around the calcium hydroxide, and that's strong and not porous. And that way you have the regenerative powers of the material, the calcium hydroxide, as well as none of the physical disadvantages. So those are my three tiers of bioactivity. Yeah, and again, that was very well said, Faye. So these three different mechanisms actually represent kind of three different classifications of bioactive materials, right? The materials that you mentioned, they're all kind of related because they're bioactive, but they're different in that their clinical applications are com really completely different. Right, that's why you have to know what you're using it for. And then you're not gonna use a therapeutic material to, for aesthetic reasons. And you're not gonna use a cement material for restorative. You have to know what it's for, but they all are different kinds of bioactive. Uh, they're basically different ways of being bioactive. Mm -hmm. So hypothetically, a dentist is practicing three, five years, maybe even more, and they're having great success with their direct restorative materials and their clinical outcomes are predictable and successful. What would you say to a dentist in that situation regarding switching over to a bioactive material? Well, I think dentists are all focused on optimal health outcomes for their patients. And we know that the progression of oral disease is multifactorial and it's usually a downward spiral. But this is not inevitable. Uh, you, you have to, uh, if you have a conscious effort to proactively intervene, and the, and the emphasis on the word proactive, we are using a proactive material. I like to call it proactive intervention dentistry. Uh, that, I coined the term, and that basically means minimal intervention at the earliest, most appropriate time. 
and bioactive materials are actually the ideal candidates for that restorative re restoration of form and function in our patients. Uh, as I mentioned, bioactive materials are active. They're not passive uh, participants in the, in the restorative process. We've got things that are actually working with the body, with the patient over time. So they can pre uh, provide proactive benefits for the patients at the time of, of insertion, as well as after their place for many, many years, hopefully, to come. So that's why I think it's the best, best to get these tried and true materials that are, you have to have uh, physical properties, easy handling, good aesthetics, but bioactivity will add significantly to the longevity of the restoration and it will have improved clinical outcomes for our patients. So it sounds like you're a firm believer that uh, bioactive materials will be the direct restorative material of the future in a variety of clinical applications. I think it is. More and more people, whenever I'm doing, I do lectures, I find that, that people are uh, asking about bioactive materials and they're excited about bioactive materials. Why would you not be? If, if you can do something that's better for your patient with materials that do have good physical properties, with materials that do have good aesthetic properties, and you can actually help the, uh, the patient in terms of longevity, the restoration, and their, their clinical outcomes. I mean, why not? Yeah. Are they teaching this in dental school now and using these products in dental school? I think they are. Some of them are. Uh, some of the dental uh, uh, schools are. I mean, obviously, the manufacturers are trying really hard to promote their products, and they're starting to learn about it. And I'm doing a lot of lectures all, all over the place on, on how these bioactive materials work. So what is new and exciting in the field as far as new materials that are uh, on, you know, on the cusp of being introduced into the profession or just being used now for, for just a short time. Could you give us some insight into that? Well, what I'm really excited about now uh, is something that uh, Shofu has just released recently. It's, a, uh, it's called FitSA, and it's a self-adhesive flowable bioactive gymer material. So you don't have the bonding layer. The problem with the bonding layer is it doesn't allow uh, for the uh, beneficial ions to pass through throughout the prep surface. It's only on the surface of the restoration. So this will actually have all the, the bioactive ions going through throughout. So it's uh, designed to be used as a liner, small class ones, class threes, and class fives. Uh, so even in areas where you have a, a broken down uh, crown and there's some uh, carries around it, you don't necessarily want to replace that crown. You can go in with this material and help alleviate the issue right off the bat because it's going to uh, speed, be speedily repaired and it, it delivers bioactive benefits for many years after placement. And then there's something I call the perimeter preparation. We all have fillings that start breaking down. And what do you do in the mar when the margins start breaking down? Do you take the whole thing out? What if you had something that you could just flow around that old uh, broken down restoration at the interface between the tooth structure and the composite resin? So in many cases, the margin will exhibit something called, uh, I call perimeter breakdown and secondary decay. So the dentist is faced with the decision of either replacing or repairing the restoration. And I don't think it's time to watch and wait. Remember, we're doing proactive dentistry. So we're not watching and waiting for it to break down. We want, we want to deal with it before extensive treatment is required. So what you do is you remove all the stain and secondary decay around the defective margin. And after that, uh, you need an ideal restorative material that can integrate with the original restoration and the remaining tooth structure and be plaque resistant, have remineralizing properties uh, to prevent future perimeter breakdown. And I think 
this material that was just introduced by Shofu, the fit SA, is that material. And also without the bonding layer, what you have is they're not going to get stain around the margin because the bonding layer can cause stain over time. Um, that's particularly beneficial for class threes and class fives. So this is really exciting and something that's faster and easier to use and beneficial to the patient is a win-win all around. And that's what I call exciting. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no, it sounds very exciting. And, and it's also a great contribution to minimally invasive dentistry, which is so important, mm -hmm. you know, eliminating the removal of good tooth structure uh, for no other reason than just to replace the entire restoration. And now you're talking about this perimeter type restoration. Again, this would be interesting if this was taught in dental school, uh, doing this kind of perimeter uh, procedure where you're not removing the whole, you know, restoration and redoing the whole thing when you have this perimeter decay. This particular product with its bioactivity seems ideal. It is. It really is ideal. And I think it should be taught in the, in the, uh, in the dental schools and hopefully it will be taught. And I'm going to try my best to make sure it is taught in the dental schools. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're kind of always, they're always a little bit behind the curve, I should say. <laughs> You know, <laughs> to, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. No, your insight has been fantastic, Dr. Goldstep. Really, really good. Now we know why you've been selected as one of the key continuing education leaders. Hats off to you for that. We appreciate all the CE that you've been uh, bringing forth over the years. And uh, you've been doing so much for dentistry. And we appreciate having you on this podcast. We look forward to you doing more in the future. I hope so. And thank you very much for having me.